0: Hello and welcome to Called Bank Sports. The Jazz are on a tear right now with the longest winning streak of the season, and that's not just their longest winning streak. Seven games is the most any teams won in a row. So, while yeah, there have been some easy teams like the Cavaliers and the Detroit Piston, Pistons over that stretch, we also went and beat the Bucks to keep that win streak alive, and also beat the Denver Nuggets, who are on the lo- are on kind of the lower end right now but still have some amazing players in Jokic and Murray. So, overall just been absolutely amazing stretch so far for the Jazz and we should expect them to continue that tonight against the Golden State Warriors. Before we get to the podcast, just a reminder to tune in for our post game, probably going to be around 9:30, around 9:45, but just Stay tuned after the game and we will discuss how the Jazz did and where we think they're going from there. So Donovan Mitchell did something that I think really shows where the league's going and just some major changes that are coming into effect now. He is the fastest player in NBA history to get to 600 made three-pointers. What was your reaction to that, Dale, when you found that
1: out? I I actually didn't believe it at first because that's not Donovan Mitchell's reputation. He he's known as like the slasher, he can score inside and we know he can shoot threes, but he's never been a super efficient three-point shooter and I've never even thought of him as a volume three-point shooter. But and like thinking of all the other younger players that are like his age, like um like Jason Tatum was another player who came to mind. I was like wouldn't Jason Tatum be that player? But I guess it may it does make sense. Donovan Mitchell, has his shot has gotten better every single year. Jason Tatum's on a team where he's had to share a lot of shots. So Jason Tatum, I do think, is a better shooter. But I think this worked out perfectly with Donovan Mitchell's situation. And it's, show, it's proving that he is a three-point threat. And I think he's been proving that this season as well. He's been awesome from the three-point line. So it was unbelievable, but it's, it's crazy that it, it's actually true. That's what happened.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he did that in about 240 games. So that means he was averaging just over, like, pro- he was averaging probably around two and a half three-pointers a game to get that. So, obviously, first player that comes to mind that is probably going to shatter that record is Trey Young, who has currently played, like, 150 games. And I don't have the total number of three. Um, Oh, he has... Wait a second here. Okay, he has just over 1,100 three-point attempts, and he has made 392. So oh, he's like 155 games. He's got 90 more um to go, and he needs to make 208. So I, I think we'll see Trey Young beat that record, but it is just awesome that Donovan has that record, and to really just see him being one of the younger players who, even if he's not, like, the prototypical Steph Curry where he's just going out and jacking up eight points a game that he is able to hit those three pointers and like bring that element to his game and to the jazz.
1: Yeah. And with just how the, where the NBA is moving, we're probably going to see that record broken every couple of years. Um, and I'm sure it'll get to a point where it's just some ridiculous, like someone gets it in like his first season, and we're just like, "Okay, like that's game over. I don't think that's gonna happen, but- um what's but the quickest we'll, we'll, what's the we'll quickest number happen?
0: of games you could ever see it happening in
1: um six hundred threes six hundred threes uh you, to get a hundred, you'd have to make six a game, which is ridiculous that like you'd have to be an incredible three point shooter on an awful team, kind of like where where how Trey young started uh I think 200 games is super realistic. So I bet it would be under 200. Um, yeah. Probably between that 150, 200 mark.
0: No, I agree with you. I think 200 games is like totally plausible. 150 is where it starts getting to the realm of just uncharted territory. One benefit that Trey Young has is he's on a team that all they care about is offense. He's the best player. And, He's and just he's- able to go out and put up as many threes as he wants whenever he wants to put them up. There's not a lot of pressure where I feel Donovan has always been on a team where it's like we have championship aspirations and at least playoff aspirations. He's never he hasn't always been championship, but playoff aspirations. So you have to go out and play in a way in a way that gets us to the playoffs where Trey Young is just going out there and trying to make the all star team. Like, I really think that that's what his season <laughs> entails is him getting up enough threes to make the all-star team as an amazing offensive player who might as well just go sit down for 24 seconds when um it's on the defensive side of the ball
1: yeah and and he's the point guard so the ball's in his hand um so if he feels like shooting shooting it from deep just whenever he wants then he does and i don't think the coach is going to complain too much because it's not like at, at least his rookie season no one else was going to make a shot yeah. But, but I I've talked a few times in our post game reviews, which by the way, if you're not tuning in for our post game reviews, we, we do an after every game live. So we, we try to get it out as quick as possible. But I've been talking a lot about Donovan's shot, how I thought I think his shooting mechanics is like it's awesome. Like Joe Ingles, he has a good shot, but his shooting mechanics are like awful it's like a three motion shot. So it's tough for him to get it out as quick, but Donovan Mitchell's a smooth and this, I feel like he's been a lot more confident and he's been hitting them uh, a lot more often than I've seen in years past. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Donovan Mitchell be a regular hovering around that 40% three point percentage mark in in a year or two for the rest of his career.
0: Yeah. Right now he's at 40.8% for the season, which I definitely think is, um, going to come a bit more back down to earth. I do think he's improved his shot, so we'll see it go up. I don't know. I wouldn't bank on him finishing over 40% um, this season. But man, if you're able to have Bojan come back and shoot over 40%, Joe be over 40%, Royce O'Neal be over 40%, Niang be over 40%, and then add Donovan to that list to be over 40%. And Conley's been having an awesome year. I don't know what his percentage is right now. He's at forty one percent. So, if the jazz have six plus players over forty percent, that would just be absolutely amazing to um be what could possibly be the best three point shooting team in NBA history.
1: We need Rudy Gobert to shoot ten threes this year and make four of them, just so we can have a seventh.
0: <laughs> just yes, yes. That's what we need to do. We need to have someone foul him on every single one. We'll go coordinate with um another team, <laughs> a French player, see if we can get some nationalism going on there, and just have him get fouled on every single one, so they don't count to his statistics <laughs> unless he makes them. So, so that's our plan right there. We'll we'll coordinate that. Um.
1: No, that was just in garbage time when the Jazz are already up by 20. Just just foul (laughs) ruby on the three.
0: Hey, hey, like please help Gobert, please, please. (laughs) Since oh, so that's a great opportunity to transition to Gobert, though. Like his games against the Pelicans, I felt like were just shows how intangible he is because the Pelican's biggest fear was letting Gobert dunk, especially where, um, like. Steven Adams is pretty good on the defensive end, but if like Zion is just like needs a lot of work, he's 20 years old. So by no means am I going to say he's not capable of changing and he's also an athletic beast. So he's, he should in the next couple of years become an elite defender in the NBA. If he's going to live up to the expectations he has as the number one pick, but watching them just sell out for go bear. At That let the Jazz shoot, I believe, over 50% from three the first night. And then when they tried to sell out on Gobert and sell out on the three-point shot the second night, the Jazz just went and made a bunch of floaters and got a bunch of um, points in the paint. So Gobert impacted both of those games, even if it's not a box score stat.
1: And I feel like we'll probably have to say this probably every episode for the rest of eternity while Gobert's on the Jazz but like he adds more than people see he's not a box score guy uh just if you watch the game and understand what he's actually doing on defense like it's it's something that it, it's not super obvious all the time because it's not like he's going out and getting like six blocks a game and like on uh, just like no one can score down low but it's it's because players know how good he is that they're just avoiding the paint they're trying to fit their offense around the paint, which is obviously the best place to score. So it makes it tough for teams to like game plan their offense, and then it throws them off. And that's just him being there is what makes the Jazz win. Like Even if he's not doing great defensively, teams know what he can do. So it makes him a little more tentative. And then obviously, like you talked about the Pelicans, trying to stop his dunk, uh, which it's not like he's Shaq and just bullying people around. It's just... If, if they try to stop the drive, he's there. He's the lob threat.
0: I don't have the exact quote pulled up, but George Nyang said in um, interviews this week, he said, I don't think that anyone who's not in our locker room can ever understand the importance of Rudy Gobert to this team. And that's just a lot of like, that's just super big to hear because yeah, like Gobert is valuable. I would I have paid him two hundred million. That would have been hard, but I think that the Jazz needed to pay him two hundred million because he's their best shot at a championship. And to everyone who's watching this video and thinks that Rudy Gobert is is overpaid, please go down to the comments and tell me the exact moves you'd want the Jazz to make, and what you would want them to do. Because I think that it's a fair argument that he to say he's overpaid. However, to say he's overpaid and then not say this is what the Jazz should have done with this 200 million and this is why it's possible in the end just doesn't hold a lot of water because I don't think the Jazz could have got any more for that 200 million than they're getting with Gobert right now.
1: Yeah, and we did a like Gobert trade episode uh, like right as we started doing YouTube uh, before this, we, we've done a podcast for a while, so it just we put our podcast episode up. There's not even video. Uh, but I feel like we went through those trades because we were like, okay, if Gobert isn't paid, if he doesn't agree to a contract, uh, the Jazz might look at trading him. So we put some potential trade options. And I think the best player that we saw the Jazz getting was like Vucevic. And, yeah. And so it's like, Vucevic is great, but he's not Gobert. So uh, the, like, if it came to that, I think the Jazz should have considered trading him, at least that the that way they would have gotten something. But they're like other teams don't value Gobert, so he's a tough player to trade to get the same value back.
0: Yeah. Had go I mean, they value him. They just know that they can like they're not gonna give up Jason Tatum for him. They're not mm-hmm. gonna give up um whoever the second um Jalen Brown on the Celtics like because in that situation, it would just be like James Harden where the James Harden trade where there wouldn't ha- have been nearly as much leverage as the other team wanted. Um, just like the Anthony Davis trade to Los Angeles where Los Angeles was able to get a pretty good deal because just no leverage like leverage in trading is really important. So trying to trade a player just so you don't lose their contract is really hard to do in today's league.
1: And. And the annoying thing is, it happens all the time. So uh, it does. If you're if you're a small market team that can't put together an awesome unit that can make it to the playoffs every year, then if you even if you draft well, you're going to lose those stars after a few years, which sucks.
0: Is that is the best trade of all time? Um, for getting rid of a contract, at least the team taking on that contract, Toronto taking on Kawhi, is that the best one of all time?
1: Ah. Uh, I'd have to like dig through the trades. That was probably the best one for immediate success.
0: I mean, it's top five because you got him. You had to give up some stuff, but you won a title. Yeah. So, and, like,
1: they, they gave up basically, they gave up DeMar DeRozan and a pick, which yeah. I feel like any team would trade. A, like, a, like, the Jazz, I'd say DeMar DeRozan is probably on the same level as like Bojan. Like, the Jazz would trade Bojan and a pick. For a championship oh like, totally like, like if it was bojan like,
0: and a pick for so, Kawhi, sorry bojan I love, but i love bo like we love bojan one thing we've done trade videos and we'll continue to do trade videos um because they're fun like they're fun and it's fun to talk about but we we do realize we're talking about actual like people with lives and with feelings and just moving them around like game pieces but like i mean that's just sadly how the nba works to an extent but with player empowerment it definitely has moved towards where i think trades are becoming less prevalent in certain ways and still happening like i you rarely see players nowadays just get traded to somewhere where they just don't want to be but that's probably because only star players are willing to speak out about that so not yeah. we'd have to dive more into deep into how trading has changed in the nba so if that sounds like an interesting video that you'd want to see, um, let us know in the comments and we'll consider getting that put together in the future.
1: And we, we did touch a little bit on that on our, uh, like what player empowerment means for the NBA video that we put out on Wednesday this last week. Uh, we touched on that, but we can dive deeper if that's something that interests you, but we kind of talked about where it's heading and, and why it happened, how it happened. Yeah. But uh, let us jump into the jazz schedule. Um, So we mentioned the Warriors game. We're going to do a post-game review tonight. Well, well, Nate's going to take care of that one. But do you want to do a little bit of a preview since most games you don't get the chance to do a preview? Do you have any thoughts going into this game? So I think that my thoughts are going to be
0: um, I'm excited to see what James Weissman does. We did see Rudy Gobert get a bit exposed by Zion, which I don't think is horrendous. Zion's an amazing athlete, and when he gets the ball in his hands on the offensive end, he can do amazing things. He is like a once-in-a-lifetime talent in the NBA. Jay Weissman's also a really good center. So I'd expect to see him put up some points on Gobert. Maybe not as much. Um, Zion definitely has a lot more experience, and this is his second season. Um, but overall, my the most interesting thing will be how Draymond Green getting ejected in the um, Warriors' last game impacts this game, since I think that it'll lead to him having some fresher legs. But overall, my expectations is for this to be a close game that the Jazz win. Like, it might be a blowout, but you still have Draymond Green and Steph Curry. And Draymond Green isn't what he used to be, but Steph Curry can still light it up from behind the arc. So if Steph has a good night, it'll be a hard game. But I don't think they have enough players around Steph right now to um, add the 1-2 punch and just take it out and end the Jazz's win streak.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Like any team with Steph Curry, like you have to come prepared because they can beat you on any given night because Steph Curry is that good. But and the Lakers bottom,
0: weren't prepared, and
1: they lost. And I'm happy about that. But <laughs> yes, but I like bottom line. The Jazz are a better team. Um, I don't think they like. I don't know if you'd say any player on the Jazz is at Steph Curry's level, but then like to get to the second best player as far as impact on the Warriors, which is probably Draymond at this point. I know, I know he's, he's another one of those players that doesn't like stuff the box score, but makes an impact in other ways. And like, I'd say Rudy's better than Draymond. Mitchell's better than Draymond. Um, When Bojan's on, he's better than Draymond. When Conley's like, and Conley's been consistent. I'd, I'd take him over Draymond. So there's at least four players right there that are better than the Warriors second player. So it should be a Jazz victory. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz lost, but I don't think they should. I'd be disappointed if the Jazz lost.
0: I totally agree with you. I would be disappointed with this game too, but like win streaks have to come to an end at some point. I'm thinking that we can honestly string this one into double digits though, since Jazz beat, have a chance to beat the Warriors, then have a chance to beat the Knicks this upcoming week, which I think they'll do because they are a better team and because of vengeance and not wanting to um have that bad taste from last from their last game against the Knicks. And then this is where it gets interesting. So, I mean, Thursday night's game was hard for the Jazz. They played a great coach um for the second game in a row and he made some good adjustments that put the Jazz in hot water in the first half. So, Another great coach is Rick Carlisle. Like he's one of the best coaches in the NBA. And so they are going to have to play the Dallas Mavericks twice. I think the first game they will easily win just like with the Pelicans. I think the second game, we're going to see another similar game to that Pelican second game where the jazz are going to have to reach deep down inside and find what it takes to win. And hopefully they can do it again. I think they're capable of doing it and Seeing if they were able to do that and stretch the win streak to eleven, that would remove a lot of doubts about this Jazz team from my mind, and make me think that they are definitely capable of pushing for that two seed.
1: Yeah, and this Mavericks team, their record is not very good. Uh, They were five hundred. They played the Spurs last night and beat the Spurs. They were five hundred going into that game. Now they're a game over five hundred. But I think the the talent the team has is more than what their record shows and i feel like the past like the jazz and mavs they've kind of gone back and forth because i if i think it was last season where like the jazz beat the mavericks pretty bad and the mavs went and like blew out the jazz by like 40 points and then the next game they played the jazz beat the mavericks pretty bad and obviously this is a different team uh same core uh but it's i'm really intrigued by the game because uh, the Mavericks, they're a good team. They have a lot of talent. So it, they will challenge the Jazz. And if the Jazz go in confident, take control of the game, win both of those, that gives me a lot more confidence in this team when their schedule starts to get harder. Uh, yeah. So those are two key games.
0: And the Mavs had, have, have had a rough season. But, I mean, poor Zingas have has been out with injury. Mm-hmm. And he's been playing the last six games. So the Jazz are going to get him like at game eight, nine, when he's getting his rhythm back and could possibly come out and just blow up. So I am like, I would I would not be surprised if the Jazz lost because while the Mavs have some cohesiveness issues, they are just a very talented team that if they were to somehow hit fire during the playoffs, I would not be shocked if they went all the way. They just have that much talent and are that capable Right now, they just haven't put it together and don't have the best um, role players to like make everything stick and
1: make a big championship push. Yeah, like, and yeah, I'm excited for these four games. I think, I, I yeah, I, I agree. The Mavs are wild card games. I don't know if I have a solid prediction one way or the other, uh, but uh, it's it's one of those things where is is momentum stronger or is the, the motivation from you know you're behind so you need to catch up stronger and that might be what it is with the Jazz and Mavs because the Jazz are they have the momentum they're in a rhythm as a team um, so I I like that you brought up Rick Carlisle because I think he might be the like it might be actually Rick Carlisle versus Quinn Snyder can Quinn Snyder keep his team with the momentum and, and keep in rhythm and will Rick Carlisle be able to get the Jazz out of rhythm because they've been in rhythm for the past seven games and if they win the next two then they'll be on a nine game winning streak by the time they play the Mavs. So um so it speaking might just of be a the winning battle. streak, yeah.
0: Down in the comments, let us know how long this winning streak's gonna go. How many games will the Jazz win before they lose? And Dale, what's your take? How many do you think they can rattle off before they end up
1: um losing the winning streak? Um I think I think they'll I think they'll win out, yeah. they'll finish the season 68 and 4. <laughs> 68 and 4. No, okay. I'm looking looking at the schedule uh for real. I th- I think the most likely place is uh I think they'll get to double digits and they'll either lose that Mavs game or that Nuggets game, which um I think it's totally possible that they could win and push this like into the, deep into the teens. But I think they'll get to ten at least, and then it'll probably end right right after they get to double digits.
0: If they make it through Dallas and Denver, and then the next they have like another four games before they play Boston, I'm gonna go out on a limb, and this is just shooting for the stars and probably entirely missing. I'm gonna say that they that they make it to Sunday, February seventh, and they pull off sixteen wins before losing um, before losing at home against Boston. That, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say 16. Let us know if you're more on Dale's side where they make it to 10 and then falter or if they're going to go 16 or, you know, if they're going to end the season 68-4. and four. So thank you so much for watching this week's episode of Call Bank Sports. Go Jazz and let's let's do this. Let's beat the Golden State Warriors and keep on winning.